The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. What does your career journey look like? Hey listeners, welcome to In the Arena. I'm Jackie Goldberg. And I'm Leah Smart. And today we're going to spend some time talking about our careers. So Jackie and I have both been working for the last 8, 10 years-ish, not to totally date ourselves, but we've had some ups and downs. We've had some moments of clarity. We've also had moments of failure. And we want to just spend some time reflecting on it and also inviting you as our listeners to take some time to reflect too. So we may have some ahas during this and we hope you do too. And really just looking back at where you've been and thinking about where you want to go. So we're going to start with what our journeys have been like so far. So Jackie, can you share a little bit about what your career journey looks like? Yeah, for sure. So I love to tell this story. When I was 19 years old, I was a junior in college and uh, I was actually studying psychology. So psychology I took in my senior junior year of high school and I loved it. And I decided that's what I want to study in college. And I just always was fascinated with human behavior. And I think actually getting textbook material and learning about concepts made me realize this is what I want to learn about. So in college, I was 19 and I was researching jobs. And I was like, what am I going to do after school? You know, like any teenager who's aspirational and thinking about, you know, what are my next steps? What's my next play? And I came across doing my research what a life coach was. And I was like, this is what I want to do. So I remember I was, I called my dad in my dorm room and I said, dad, I know what I want to do with my life. And he said, what? And I said, I want to be a life coach. And he goes, Jackie, how can you be a life coach? You have no life experience. (laughs) And I was like, well, I just really want to help people be their best selves and uh, really do the inner work to just have their best lives and impact others and inspire people. He goes, why don't you put it on the back burner and get a real job? And I listened like any teenager would. I listened to my dad. And so What I did was I went into corporate. You know, I knew I didn't want to be a psychologist or a therapist. I'm a very dynamic person, and I I really wanted to be around a lot of energy. So I went into the corporate world, and I studied human resources because, to me, that was the closest I can get, theoretically, to human behavior in corporate America. So I spent my first five years um, working in recruiting and learning and development and had, you know, a really great run, just a lot of knowledge and learning and figuring out what I did and what I didn't like. And when I moved over to LinkedIn about five years after being at Bloomberg, I uh, really decided to be on the client facing side. I was always interested in sales because I love dealing with people and human connection. So I came into customer success where I was able to use some of my recruiting background and my learning and development background. And I've been in customer success for five years. But taking a step back and thinking about that conversation with my father was really pivotal for me because I experienced life during this time. Over this decade, I you know, was in a relationship. I was out of a relationship. I changed friends. I got to know myself. I woke up a little bit. I took on meditation and, and um, mindfulness practices. And my life changed and I experienced life. And 
there was a turning point for me where I realized I want to now become a life coach. And so in 2018, I graduated from a 12-month coaching program, and I now have a practice on the side. And I've never felt really more aligned to, to be doing what I'm doing, both at LinkedIn and my day job as a manager and the work that we do, Leah, around mindfulness and compassion, and then practicing a life, life coaching. Amazing. That's yeah. cool that 19, you just knew. You know, I'm sure we'll talk about this today, but I I think really following your passions, right? I think it sounds cliche and and people probably hate that advice sometimes because people are like, what does that even mean? Like my passion is, you know, animals or, you know, photography. Does that mean I make a career out of it or is that a hobby? But for me, I followed where the energy was around that human connection and the desire to learn about what make people who they are. And that just one little desire allowed me to take some necessary necessary steps, you know, to get to, to where I am today. Yeah. And I want to offer to the the following passions and can also be tough because people don't know what their passions are. So what I share is Elizabeth Gilbert's advice, which is follow your curiosities. So if you're a little bit curious, see where that thread goes and you can find passion there and you don't have to be doing your passions every day at work. You can be doing them on the side or on the weekends. It's just about creating a more full life. So follow your curiosities and, and kind of figure out from there. Yeah. And, and something yeah. that you once shared with me, Leah, was this, this quote, allow yourself to to be drawn. And I actually wrote it down and have it in my apartment because it really like sat with me like, wow, like if something is is drawing is is drawing me in, then I should follow that. Right. And I should allow myself to to go into that space. And I think that can relate to anything in life. But when it comes to our careers, if there is something that you're drawn to and it could be something so small, right, a, a person, it could be a conversation, it could be a specific skill set, it could be a type of software, whatever it is. Right. Like allow yourself to be curious mm-hmm. to your point, follow that energy and kind of see where those steps lead you to. Yeah. I didn't know that was in your apartment. So yeah. that's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, and thank you to the person who told me. And I would love to hear your career journey. Yeah. So mine's very different. I think my career, similar to you, I'm, I was, I'm very close to my dad. And so when I think about career, I always think of my dad. So he's the person I go to and say, I think I'm going to do this. I don't know if I should do this. And then I'd listen to him. So my journey out of college was I decided that I wanted to go to Prague and teach English. So that was my plan. I was like waitressing and I was like, all right, I'm going to go to Prague, save up my money. They don't use the euro. So it's way cheaper. I remember finding a loaf of bread was like a dollar. I was like, I can go here. <laughs> so that that was my plan. Uh, and I called my dad and or talked to my dad about it. And he was like, what are you running away from? Go get a job that pays you to travel the world. You don't have to do this at the sacrifice of earning money. And so I, I reluctantly took his advice and went to a career fair and I found LinkedIn. So a lot of the things that have happened for me up until probably a few years ago were like falling into it. Like I fell into LinkedIn. I met someone. I mean, it's got to be divine intervention. I met someone who was manning the table and said, hey, this is LinkedIn. I was like, what is LinkedIn? This is 2010. And she explained it. And then a month later, I was working there. So I I kind of fell into sales, right? And so I I was in a sales role for five years. And then for me, what was a little different is I left LinkedIn. So we have a lot of boomerangs here at LinkedIn. It's a very common thing that people leave and come back because it is just that amazing. But I left LinkedIn after a period of almost five years at the company and decided I needed something a little bit different. And maybe it had run its course. 
And actually, when I became, when I left, it was uh, it was an incredible experience, which another company and loved my role, but recognized that I wanted to do more than be in sales. I wanted my career journey to not look like a ladder, but more like a jungle, as people say. And I knew I didn't have a lot of the skill sets I would need to be more successful outside of just a sales role. So I started pulling all that together and deciding what I really wanted to do and what skills I wanted to hone. And one of the things I recognized was, A, I miss LinkedIn. And B, I had so many amazing relationships at LinkedIn that of any company that would trust me to make such a big leap from sales to program management, which is a huge leap, LinkedIn would be it. So I found a role and, um, you know, here today, but I ended up interviewing for it and getting the job. My journey continues to be a little bit different in that I was actually back in San Francisco. So I live in New York now, but I'm from California. I was back in San Francisco to program manage for a year. I was asked to move to Chicago. And I just said yes, because I knew I didn't want to be in San Francisco anymore. It was my experimental year, I was calling it. And so I left. I planned to leave San Francisco to go to Chicago. And about two months before I was supposed to leave, I woke up in a hotel room in Chicago. And my gut was like, you can't go here. You have to go back to New York. And I knew this, this was against all logic. I had no job lined up. My program that I was running was not based out of New York. So there was, there was no path laid out. But I just knew and I had to follow it. And I had a great leader who was open to listening to me and helping me on my journey. And I ended up optimizing for being back in New York, being in a role that still used my skill sets and that I was passionate about and interested in. And so I ended up in customer success for a year. And after this really tough year in San Francisco that I had, I decided I wanted to move towards coaching because I met someone who was doing exactly what I knew I wanted to do, which is executive coaching and leading workshops. So I also got my life coaching certification, spent a year doing that. And this role that I'm in today came directly from that experience. You've had a lot of different moves. And it's, it's so interesting to hear you speak about what kind of got you to each place and like two things that really stuck out to me were relationships and location because I think when it comes to our careers there are times where location plays a a role right in your life and like location really around like the environment that you're in the city that you're living in but then of course relationships and we know relationships are pivotal but I'm, I'm interested in in your story like how big of a role and like what role did these exactly play in your decision to kind of take on the next step? Yeah, so location has been a big reason for most of my career directive. So I I came to New York when I was 14. I'm from California. And I got here and I was like, I'm going to live here. I told my dad, I told everybody. He was like, okay, great. And like my family says, if, if I want something, get out of my way, basically. That's mm-hmm. like, the, that's the Leah, <laughs> the Leah mantra, get out of her way. And so I moved to New York. And when I hit a certain age, I decided everybody I knew from California was leaving. And it felt like maybe I, it was the right time. And I shooted myself into going mm, back to San it. Francisco, being around my family, only to realize my job took up most of my time and my family had lives. And so like we weren't always going to be together. And this picture I'd painted wasn't wasn't exactly as rosy as I thought it would be, but also that I wasn't happy in San Francisco and I never had been. So I lived there before for a little bit and thought maybe with you know the shift in my age and maturity, it would change. But really, I am a very place-based person and New York is the place that I know I'm meant to be. And what so, about it specifically? Because I think there's something like we talk about allowing yourself to be drawn. Like, what yeah. is it? Because I think the question around location is like, you know, we've talked about this on this podcast, like wherever you are, there you go. And so it's like, it shouldn't matter, but there is something about this place that matters to you. 
I don't know. Yeah, it's um, I I really I mean, who know? I was 14, saying like I'm going to live here and knowing that, and I think every you know kids all have desires of where we're going to end up, and we may end up there or not. But I have been to a lot of cities around the world, and and uh, my dad, who I looked up to, is, is look up to, is traveling, has traveled his whole life around the world, and he's kind of like you know after a while you realize a city is a city is a city, and I believe that, and I believe we are connected to different places, and so when I come to New York, I feel an energy and before it was like this buzzing intense energy that I loved and now it's this like grounded sense of like home like that's just kind of it mm. yeah so I can't say why or what yeah. but the no, what is like think about, yeah. energy yeah and what about relationships? Relationships played a huge role. So every role I've gotten has been about relationships. And it's been about relationships I've invested in without a foreseeable outcome, right? So a lot of people are looking to get build relationships with people that they think will have an impact in the future. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I was allowing myself to be drawn yeah. to different people and to different energies and just curiosities. And all of a sudden, like, you know, they say, you know, when you look ahead, you can't see the road. But when you look back, you can connect all the dots. It really is looking back. I'm like, whoa, I connect the dots on how I was interested in, you know, a role. I applied for it before I left. I didn't get the job. The person who hired me in back into LinkedIn after leaving was married to the person who was managing this other team for the role I didn't get. And so the reason this person knew me was because I had interviewed with her wife. So it's like, I mean, who knew that that would come full circle and have an impact? So I, I think it's just really about authentically trying to build relationships where you're drawn to building them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's so cool that you recognize that like the relationships you built were really because you were drawn to them rather than I'm going to do this because I think it's going to get me to, you know, X, Y, Z place. Right. right. The intentionality was really good hearted and grounded and just curiosity and trying to figure it out and trying to figure it out and learning. But you mentioned like looking back and connecting dots like we know. 2020 is hindsight mm-hmm. or like looking back things are just so much more clear and I th- and I think about this in terms of failure right because I think there are often times we quote unquote fail and I, I put that in quotes because we know that failure leads to success or there's always some sort of aha or insightful moment there but are you able to pinpoint kind of throughout your career journey a moment of failure you know quote unquote that resonates with you in a way that kind of was a shift for you maybe or was a story that that really sticks out to you because it helped you in some way. Yeah, I like your definition of failure too. It's it is it's on your way to success you will fail, right? Hands down. Totally. Or you can think of it as failure is just a result that's telling you you aren't doing, you aren't creating the right inputs to get the right output, right? And that's great because then you get to change your inputs. And that's really hard in the moment, but it's it's an incredibly powerful thing to think about. It's really empowering. So my moments of failure I think the first would be, you know, not getting this role I mentioned. I went for a role in our sales readiness team, which is a sales training team that helps our salespeople do better work. And I felt like I was so aligned with it. And I didn't get the role. And I was heartbroken. And I couldn't really see a path forward at that point. It was kind of like I became this wayward person mm-hmm. that made I made a different decision that actually wasn't necessarily well, I guess looking back, it was the right decision. But at the time, I could have made a different one that was more informed and less emotionally driven. But not getting this role spurred me into this other role that I I wasn't even really sure I wanted to do. And that was actually the reason that I ended up leaving LinkedIn was I went into the role and I was like, I just... I've been here a long time. I don't love this role. Maybe I'm just burnt out, not feeling it. 
and I wasn't doing super well. That was the other thing was like, I, this is my own thing. Like I am an achiever. So if I'm not doing well in something, I'm like, I was totally in a knower's mindset or a fixed mindset of, okay, my skills are fixed and they are fixed. So that means I'm not good at this. So I need to move forward. And this is before so much of my own like personal and spiritual growth, but it led to it. I was not doing well. And like I could turn it around, but I didn't want to. I didn't have the drive to. So I had the drive to leave. And I actually met somebody in the kitchen at LinkedIn who ended up being the person that referred me to my next job outside. Talk about relationships. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I and it was actually over a passion of mine that we became friends. It was about photography. So yeah, I think, you know, the beauty, and I would love to hear your your kind of failure, quote unquote, stories. The beauty of the failures is that you and I talked about this, but uh, there's a beautiful art in Japan called Kintsugi, and Kintsugi is the idea that even the broken pieces, I use dishes or china, even the broken pieces or dishes you can actually put back together. And it literally means to bring back together with gold. So they rebuild broken bowls, cups, etc., you know, porcelain or clay, and actually infuse them with gold. So they're there are these beautiful dishes that have these cracks that are all filled with really beautiful gold. And the idea for me, the reason this translates is like the most painful moments are where we create really serious strength and we watch painful things happen. And then you look back, you go, oh, my God, thank God that happened. I never would have ended up here had I not right. done that. Right. I would say my other moment of failure probably was and not failure, but choice that was not one that was good for me was I chose to move to Chicago. I said I was going to move. That was not what I really wanted. And if I knew my intuition as well as I do now, I would have known that. But I didn't. So I, I chose it and then had to come up against this serious conversation with a leader who is having to hear me say I'm pulling out of what I committed to, which is not exciting. Yeah. Yeah. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tomer Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were FinTech developers. We'd been a FinTech developer. uh, We'd been trying to build a FinTech product for a year. And so, we had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. Tell me about your failure. Well, I, you know, I think for me what, what comes to mind is after I graduated college, I lived in Israel for a year and did 10 months of volunteering and, and teaching English and interning. And it was, it was a great year. And I, I came back and lived at home to find a job and figure out what I wanted to do. This was probably around age 22. So I'd already had that conversation with my dad about wanting to be a life coach. But it was really something that I had truly put on the back burner, right? And I was, 
exploring everything from going back to school to be a nutritionist to getting into the fitness space, right? I remember taking all these Pilates classes to maybe become a Pilates instructor while I was trying to find a job in corporate America. And so I went to a temp agency and I started doing temp recruiting. And this is kind of a vulnerable moment, but growing up, my dad used to tuck me in every night. (laughs) And um, obviously that stopped once I became a teenager and stuff, but there were definitely moments where he'd come in and we'd sit and we'd talk. And for those of you who don't know, my father passed away. So it's about a year ago. And so it's, it's always, you know, feels good to kind of speak in his memory and share these types of memories. I was about 22. I was living at home and he came in one night before I was going to bed and I was just crying. And I was like, you know, it was six months of job hunting and not knowing what I wanted to do and just feeling completely lost. And my dad said to me, you know, everything will be okay. And he's like, I'm not worried about you. Everything will be okay. And the way that he said it made me trust him so much and like in that moment just be like you're right like everything will be okay and I think you know we think of this kintsugi and it's like something breaks and then we actually create something beautiful out of it and I think in that moment you know no matter how stressed I get you know with work or you know where I feel I'm feeling lost in any capacity I truly believe that like everything will be okay and I kind of think of that moment and it just I was so hopeless and lost and those words just, I trusted it. And Mm -hmm. so I think that failure really was that experience of being lost, which so many people know. And, you know, eventually, like, again, I think allowing yourself to be drawn, at least that worked for me, like taking part in things that I liked and testing things out, right? Like, I think trying things and being aware of what you like about it and what you don't has really helped me. But I think it's being aware and like true to yourself of, of what you're feeling. Yeah, that's so beautiful too. just having like a figure that you trust saying, I know you're going to be OK. Yeah. Like I just know it. Yeah. He was like, I'm not worried about you. You're going to be fine. Everything will be OK. And it, I trust it. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, letting yourself be drawn and that working for you. When has letting yourself be drawn not worked for you? Hmm. It's interesting when you put it in that context, right? Because I'm trying to think of like a mistake then, right? Or something and nothing's really coming to mind. I'm sure there Mm -hmm. are, you know, moments of when it when it hasn't worked. And I think this also could be like more of the recency effect, right? Whereas like in my recent years, I'm way more connected to who I am, my intuition. So like nothing's coming to mind in this moment, right? I probably have to dig back like five, (laughs) 10 years. But I don't know. I mean, I, I just find that like, it's almost like allowing yourself to be drawn, but then also knowing when you're not drawn and pulling back, right? Yeah, it sounds almost like even if you're drawn to something and it doesn't work out exactly how you thought it would, there's sort of this okayness with it not working out exactly how you thought it was because you followed where you were drawn. Yeah. I also think it's like allow yourself to be drawn, right? I I do that in quotes where it's like, well, what's the pull, right? Is someone Mm -hmm. else saying this is great for you? And like you allow yourself to follow that versus your intuition, right? Mm -hmm. Like what are you following? Is it, and and what's truly important to you? Because I think those are the times where you have to kind of take note of what your values are, right? And connect wherever you're moving forward to those values that you have. Yeah. Can you say more about your intuition? Because you reference it a lot in your decision making. Yeah, I mean, I think we talk about this a lot in the podcast. I think the alignment between mind, body, and soul. And as someone who practices mindfulness, right, I'm very aware of my thoughts and where they're headed and when they're taking over, right? And then as someone who's also sensitive and emotional, I kind of pull my heart into places. And I think the intuition piece is kind of like the third part that you kind of feel 
icky when something's not aligned and then you feel really at peace and calm when it is aligned. And I think in any decision that comes our way, we have the ability to look in, and tap into all three and make sure that there's a sense of calm, a sense of peace. I think in making a wrong decision or like on the cusp of making a wrong decision, right? You, if at least for me, I'll feel like some sort of maybe anxiety is comes up to me, right? Like something that's not sitting well. And that is then a sign of like, hey, maybe something's off. Yeah, there's that like icky feeling. Yeah. It's hard to put into words. How would you? Right? I, I mean, it's 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 great to hear these questions because then it forces me to articulate some yeah. of this guidance, I guess, that we're giving our listeners around following your intuition. But yeah, I'm curious if you have another I would definition agree. or if there's anything. I'm definitely a spiritual person, and I believe that intuition is just the the universe or whatever you want to call its way of telling us when we're going in the right direction or the not in the right direction. And so, yeah, I would agree that you you pose it perfectly in the way that I would, which is there's a sense of peace. There's like a very – it's not the head yes. It's like the heart, soul mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. your stomach. Yes, mm-hmm. it's quiet. It's just like this is, this is right. Yeah. And like I, I remember when I committed to moving to Chicago for the next three months, I just had this anger. I had this angst when I was looking at apartments. I had an angst when I was like, I had an anxiety when I was thinking about the move. I I wasn't like, you know, when you want something, you go get that thing. Like I was not itching to buy plane tickets to get to go there, my one-way ticket. I was not itching to have a goodbye party to leave for Chicago. It was just not there. And that's probably when I really learned my intuition and not even learned it, but just finally Cut, decided yeah. to listen. listen to it. Yeah. yeah, which is pretty crazy that most of us in our, you know, traditional upbringing do not learn to listen to that yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. What's the greatest piece of advice that you've received from someone around your career? So mine was a, a year, actually not even a year ago, it was six months ago. There's someone that I consider to be just an amazing human, and it, well, it's Scott. He's our he's our executive sponsor um, for the podcast, but he's also had a really huge impact on both of our lives, and us just being able to build more of what we find purpose in into our careers. And I was potentially gonna I was going for a role. And the role I knew in my gut, this was like the test from the universe, I had a feeling it was not the right role for me, but I just didn't know what I was gonna do next. And so I called Scott in the middle of the interview process and said, I need to talk to you. And I explained to him what was going on. I was like, I just can't put my finger on it, but something feels off. I just don't know what to do. I was like, Am I, can I get onto your team? How like, what will I, you know, I'm trying to come up with this amazing way to control the situation and feel certainty, which is something that controls so many of us. And it, it really keeps us from just having faith and seeing where, where it will go. But he said, all I can tell you to do is follow your heart. And like, that sounds so cliche, right? But in reality, that was the exact advice I needed. I didn't need someone to tell me what to do. I wasn't calling him to tell me, hey, you need to take this role. You need to keep going for this role and see if you get it because of these things. He was like, listen to yourself. And that's something that's, that's you know, you, you mentioned life coaching at the beginning. What you realize about coaching is it's you're not telling anybody how to have a life experience. You're helping them through their life experience and supporting them as they make the decisions that are the right ones for their lives. So that's what Scott did. And oddly enough, I chose not to interview for that role. And then all of a sudden, two months later, I could not have guessed I was getting a new offer for the exact role I would have wanted. Mm-hmm. And so it was just this like step off the ledge, this like leap of faith that everyone talks about 
about, but it's so hard to do in the moment when something's dangling in front of yeah. you, but it was the right choice. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and I I think it just shows, you know, one of our former episodes, we uh, interviewed Mike Romoff, who is a VP here at LinkedIn, and he talked, you know, a lot about like really, you know, he didn't use the word intuition, right? But practicing this mindfulness and compassion and like putting it out things out in the universe. And it seems like this was an exact area where you made a decision that was right and connected. And then two months later, the next thing happened that seemed serendipitous, but actually you created that in it's some not, sense. Yeah, right? I, and I think so the universe heard and goes, okay, heard. you're on the right track. Exactly. Like, and you listen, you, you, list, you right. listen and you followed and yeah. Right. And it's like they say the universe or whatever you believe in will keep giving you tests to see if you're going to make the decision that you know is a decision for you. I'm like hovering over my gut right now, but like, you know, when your gut is the right decision or if you're going to make the one that is your should decision or for perception. 100%. Yeah. How about you? What's so your advice? My quick story here on best piece of advice I've ever gotten. It was when I worked at Bloomberg and I had an amazing manager and I was, you know, high anxiety about this event that I was putting on and we were in a one-on-one and I was just like had all these questions about decisions I had to make and I just wasn't sure what to do in certain areas and I was scared about making the wrong decision and she said to me in the moment she said what's the worst that can happen and I said I don't know like the event like is a huge disaster she goes no no no, worse than that what's the worst that can happen (laughs) I was like, I get a bad performance review because of it. And she goes, no, no, no. What's the worst that can happen? I was like, I get fired. She goes, yeah, and then you get a new job. And she played it so well to be like, and she goes, and you're not getting fired. So she allowed me in that moment to understand the lesson of taking intelligent risks and taking risk in general and being like, it's okay. You don't have all the answers. You don't know, but it's okay to kind of make the decision and see how it goes and what's the worst that can happen. And now I always ask myself that, like, what is the worst that can happen when I'm really wavering between doing something or not? It was the best piece of advice I've ever got. And I give that now to to people as well. That's uh, that's amazing. And it's, you know, oftentimes we just need perspective, too. So I'm, I'm just curious, what's the role perception plays in this, like in in your fears? What's the role like outside perception? Oh, I think huge. You know, I mean, I've spoken about being an Enneagram type two. So we're people pleasers. We care about what others think of us. And so, yeah, for sure, it's it's what other people think. But I also think there's like a little bit of, you know, you put the pressure on yourself in terms of like, I care, like I care to make a good job, even if no one else was watching. Like it's it's almost like a competitive thing within myself. Mm. Yeah. I care, so I want to show up I well care. and I want to create yeah. something that I'm proud mm-hmm. of. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's great to point out. I, I bring up perception just because I see that a lot with people. And in all of our careers, we're worried about what other people will think. And so we make decisions sometimes based on the other versus ourselves. 100%. And I think that is the importance of being true to yourself, right? So when you follow your intuition, when you're able to connect your mind, your body, your soul, you're making clear decisions based on who you are and not what other people are thinking of you. I'd say in my 20s, I was not doing that, right? right. But I think that the high, I also didn't have a good perception or understanding of urgency versus importance versus, you know, what like the the risk to benefit ratios. Like I wasn't accessing that part of my professional world at that point. So Yeah. Well, and there's a there's maybe a few really lucky people who have that, you know, already built in in their lives, but for most of us, we have to try a lot and screw up a lot and yeah. then you start to come back to this center. 
Awesome. So we're going to do as a closeout a couple what we call rapid fire questions uh, for each other. So let's get going. We're going to try and make these rapid. As rapid as possible. (laughs) They're pretty serious. So Jackie, when do you know it's time to leave or quit a job? When you're not happy. Like when you're not happy coming to work with a smile on your face and you're not motivated. And I won't say it's necessarily need to leave the job. I think it's a time to assess uh, assess and and ask yourself the right questions. Yeah, because there's shifts you can make. Sometimes you aren't happy, but there's something that you just need to shift. Because I would never say just go and quit. But I think when do you know it's time to maybe make a change? And that could be a small change or a big change is when you're unhappy. Okay. Yeah. So this is a, a good one. Would you consider yourself successful? Yes. And why? Uh, <laughs> I just want to say yes and not have to answer the why. I consider myself successful because I really do feel fully aligned with what I do. I also feel like I am very integrated. Like today, the things I love to do outside of work and inside of work, there is no difference. So like I literally feel like I have my dream job at LinkedIn because when I'm doing the research I want to do about psychology and the way the mind works or building something for a team that's going to be a workshop that will impact how they build trust or whatever it is, like these are things I care about deeply. When I'm doing mindfulness work or compassion work, it touches on my spirituality. When I'm, you know, I study Kabbalah, when I'm at Kabbalah, I'm thinking about things that I could bring to people that can be digestible and just basic rules and tools. And so those play a really great role. And so I consider myself successful because I feel like I have done a really great job of aligning those things and I'm continuing forward on that path. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. What are you drawn to, Jackie, since you've been talking about that Mm, today? Yeah. I am drawn to human energy, connection, people, and I'm drawn to like goodness. So like coming from love and compassion and kindness, you know, just good people that energy, I think it's just like positive energy I'm, I'm super drawn to. And I'd also say making a difference. Do you have any regrets, Leah? So I'm going to take the more esoteric responses, which is no, because I wouldn't want to redo anything considering that I'm here now. Mm-hmm. If you asked me in a moment of a decision that I realized, like, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is the wrong choice. There was regret there, but I also course corrected and I continue to. So, no, I don't. Good. Mm-hmm. Do you know what you want next? Yes, I do. I think that I want to continue on the journey that I'm on. I think I am day by day adding to my plate of the type of work that I'm doing between coaching and leading workshops and doing this podcast and writing. And so I want to continue doing all of that and just, you know, continue to bring it up a notch, so to speak. And finally, what advice would you give our listeners? Yeah, I think we should both answer this. So I would say, uh, you know, we talked about career a lot today, but I just want to broaden it and say work. And the reason is because I think a lot of where we get stuck is this story of this traditional path and this traditional lens we look at career through. And I think, and we can all see, you know, the gig economy has grown so much. Most people have side hustles. I mean, you know, you name it. Everybody's got something else going on. So I want to say, you know, if I were to give advice, it would be what work do you want to do? What do you want your work to look like? What do you want to feel like and experience in your work and really reflecting on that? And, you know, the other thing I would say is just allow Allowing yourself to really be drawn. Like mm-hmm. if you have a curiosity, move towards it. It doesn't matter what anyone thinks. It doesn't matter if you can't connect the dots in this moment on how it may change the course of your career or your work. But if you're curious about it and it's out there, go do it and try it. Try yeah. There's someone that always says, like, try the free ways to do that thing that you're, you're curious about, right? So you don't have to invest a bunch of money in it. You can just start and see where it leads you. And I guarantee it will 
it will shift your life. It doesn't mean that your career will completely change. It will just mean you will feel more grounded in yourself and you will feel like you are aligned with who you are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's great advice and I would echo everything you said. I think just to add to that is really asking your question, the question like, what does your work give you in terms of like purpose, right? I think that, you know, there's been a lot of research and studies done around people connecting their work with purpose and and the impact that they have on this world. And so I do find, especially through my coaching, you know, relationships is that people want to make an impact. People want to feel like what they're doing is is worth it and that they're creating change and goodness for others. And so asking like, what does your work give you? And if it's if there's a gap kind of searching, what can give you that purpose and how can you better align that? That's a great point. And the gap is the big piece, right? Yeah. Like finding the gap and knowing how to try. And it doesn't it. necessarily mean that you need to change or leave mm-hmm. or quit your job, but maybe making a small change here yeah. or there. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for joining us on the journey. I do want to leave you with one thought, which is you will spend at least 90,000 hours of your life working. So think about how you want to spend that time. And thanks again for being with us. If you want more of In the Arena, you can check us out on Spotify or iTunes under In the Arena LinkedIn. And we will see you all soon. Thanks for coming on this journey. Have a great day. <laughs>